All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mad Kudu's Marketing Ops Confessions. Today I'm joined with, or joined by rather, Daniel Zacks, who is the Senior Marketing Operations Manager at a company called Panerace. But he he brings experience in, gosh, digital marketing, demand gen, website building, marketing operations, um, a variety of different roles. And, and you've got, Daniel, certification spanning ABM, Salesforce, SEO, again, website building, and and more. So um, we're really excited to have you on, um, somebody who's who's kind of done it all. And uh, so w- welcome, welcome to the show, Daniel. Yeah, thanks so much, Laura. And thanks for having me and the warm welcome. Looking forward. Yeah, very excited to have the conversation. Um, and, and to kick things right off, um, is when we were planning for this, you had just an incredible analogy, um, and, and it's sports related. So sports fans, maybe perk up, especially, you know, I'm in the Bay Area, so we're coming off of a, a big Warriors championship. Um, so while, while your analogy isn't basketball, um, I want to I want you to share it in your words, because I don't want to I don't want to butcher the analogy, but it's it's awesome for for marketing operations and how you see the role um, yesterday, today and tomorrow and and, you know, connects to your experience in the role as well. So I'm going to let you take the mic and, and share this, this analogy and, and we'll kick things off from there. Sure. So <clears throat> I like to use a lot of sports analogies, both in professional life and personal life. And when I was kind of thinking about the role, you know, taking a step back and how marketing operations fits in to the greater marketing and sales uh, teams, it kind of got me thinking about which uh, position in which sport uh, it reminded me of. And uh, after a lot of thinking went through, you know, the hockey, the baseball, the soccer, uh, basketball, the area, congrats on the Warriors. Yes. And uh, ended up on football where I usually end up. And football obviously has 11 players on each side. You have the quarterback, you have, you know, weapons, whether that's the running backs, the tight ends, the receivers. But one of the more underrated parts and yet most important is the offensive line the offensive line you know is responsible for protecting the quarterback as well as uh blocking for the running backs Uh, and within that offensive line right in the middle you have the center um and the center is what kind of reminds me of of marketing operations you know before before the ball is snapped, he's holding it, right? He's the one that, that's responsible for launching, you know, just like marketing operations. Um, after the, the play, he gets the ball back. He can analyze what went well, what went not well. Um, one thing that's very known is when you're watching ESPN and seeing highlights, you, you may notice the center, but the receivers and the quarterback are what you're actually looking at. But if you don't have a strong center and a strong line, none of that can take place. Yeah, it's like they're they're like underrated behind the scenes. I love that. I mean, I love it because it's it's a great analogy. I don't know if I love the fact that marketing ops has historically been behind the scenes. Um, do, do you think that's changing or or do you think that will continue to be the the center or or will the set will are we going to turn on ESPN and start seeing, you know, I can't name any centers unfortunately. <laughs> Well, I can. I know my favorite is Frank Ragnall on the Lions. And um, what I will say is, I think being the center, while maybe underrated externally, 
I think when you are the center, you kind of understand how important it is uh, internally. And so I think most marketing operations professionals that I, I know are not looking, you know, to be the center of attention. I think they just want to make sure that everything's going according to plan, you know, that we're analyzing everything that we need to do in order to make the next campaign better. And uh, just like the center in football, right, after you snap the ball, you're already blocking for the for uh, the quarterback. So you're always looking for the next thing and how to improve. Yeah, I mean, even taking it a bit further, I, I just think there's so many ways you can take this analogy and, and not to beat a dead horse. And, and I apologize to anyone who does not appreciate American football. But like you mentioned, they're holding the ball, they're snapping it, they're tackling they have so many jobs. They're wearing so many different hats, just like most people in, in marketing operations roles. And I know we'll talk a bit about, um, you know, being a team of one, but this is like an even better analogy if you are a small marketing operations team supporting a large organization, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, okay, so you mentioned the Lions. I believe that's that's your go-to. That is your, your favorite is. sports team, right? It is. We can hate the Bears together. I know you're a Packers fan, but yes. I mean... Yes. Phew! That'll make, that'll make the rest of this episode much easier on both of us. Um, but I have to give you a shout out because Daniel shared a uh, a YouTube video that, that we'll share out in, in the show notes. But the NFL did a spotlight on you for being a super fan of the Lions. And that's pretty awesome. It was. It was pretty cool. It was, uh, you know, I built up a, a relationship with, with the team itself you know, through the front office, you know, the social media team, the finance team, the marketing team, which I honestly learn a lot from just their marketing team. And that's even before I get to the coaches and players that I love watching. So yeah, really thankful and, and grateful for the opportunities that they've given. Yeah, so, so awesome. Um, and you, you have to watch it. But no surprise that you picked football. And that that is an awesome analogy. And I'm sure we can carry that through. Um, a few more examples, but um, shifting gears a bit. Um, one thing that we've been talking a lot about, right, is is product-led growth. And, and you've been at companies, um, even including Panarays, where there is a, you know, freemium offering or a free trial offered. And, you know, I don't think anyone would argue that we're seeing conversations spark up about PLG. It's, it's definitely on the rise. Um, you know, even at MadKudu, we've, we've, got new content and webinars that that we're looking to go deeper into the topic of MOPs and marketing operations in, in a product-led growth environment. But I want to chat with you about your experience and your perspective. So, um, you know, you've been on both sides, both on the, the supporting side on the go-to-market, but also on the receiving side where you're using some free tools and, and free products to do your, your job. So um, let's start with the role itself, right? You're in marketing ops. You've got peers and, and a whole community of people in marketing ops that are, you know, kind of living, breathing mops every day that are either going through a shifter or have experience in um, PLG. What, what do you think is going to change or, or what do you think or, or not um, or not change with the emergence of, of all of this product led buzz? Well, I think the exciting thing for doing it through PLG is you know, in the classic sales cycle, you have marketing, right? And and once the person raises a flag that they're interested in talking, okay, now we're going to pass it off to the SDRs. Call, call. <laughs> call, call, call. Yeah. Uh, email, LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and with PLG, I think 
it's just a little bit more exciting because you're closer to the prospect, right? Because based on whatever their activity is, you have automatic emails that are marketing automation that are sending out. So someone that's, you know, signed up but hasn't done enough, you know, um, an email is coming out that you set up, uh, you know, to to spark the person to, to go back into the platform and, uh, and see what features they can use. You know, someone that's heavily using the features, you have automatic emails going out to say why they should upgrade and all these different things. You have, you know, all the analytics that you're looking at, you know, what are people doing in the platform? Um, how does, you know, how does a certain campaign affect whether a person did, you know, different things in the product? And so there's also a lot more analytics that you can look at and, and understand. Yeah. Who's, whose role have you seen it be? Whose responsibility to empower sales and, and provide access to some of those analytics that you're mentioning? Because, you know, it seems like there's compared to, as you mentioned, like a traditional sales motion, um, a lot more data, a lot more sources, um, and, and it becomes difficult, right, for, for sales to know where to look for what they should be following up with and, and so on. I think it's a combination depending on the, um, the structure of the operations team, mm -hmm. whether that's rev ops, marketing ops, or sales ops. For us, um, mostly marketing operations will, you know, analyze the data, at least for the marketing side and say, okay, this campaign led to, you know, three new leads and those out of those three leads, two of them actually engaged with the product and then one became a customer. Let's run this campaign again. Um, and so there's a lot of top of the funnel things that you can kind of learn from the activity that we can now see. Mm. But should, should sales be reaching out to all of the, the product signups or, or the, um, the users that are engaged in the product at any given point? I think uh, depending on the product and how many users you have in freemium, uh, that the answer would change. Um, you don't want to bother people that are just, you know, trying it out for free, but you also don't want to miss potential opportunities. And so giving an option like a chatbot, you know, with, with live people waiting on support, uh, giving good tutorials for people that sign up for the freemium, um, but yeah, definitely make sure that the person can raise their hand and invite sales for a conversation, which I've seen, you know, not done also. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a lot of what we're hearing as well of, of having kind of multiple funnels, um, a self-serve funnel versus, you know, sales assisted. And I think there's been a common misconception that, you know, in product led growth, the product just sells itself. So sales isn't, isn't needed, but I think there's, there's plenty of people in, in conversations that have already debunked that myth. Um, sales is definitely still needed in a critical component to help convert those, those users, but it's a matter of figuring out when to reach out and, and to whom, right? And so I'd, I'd love to go a bit deeper and, and maybe get a bit tactical here, um, given that's what we try to do on the show. Um, if, if you were building a system or, or maybe based on your experience, like how would you set something up to ensure that you have those two funnels and, and know which users should be passed to sales for, for their effort? Like what, what data would you use? What tools, like how would you set it up? Sure. So I think the most critical tactic that I would use in order to rank or prioritize, um, these, uh, different leads, uh, is definitely a lead scoring model. Um, and you can make it part of your main lead scoring. You can have a separate PLG score property or field, whatever system you're using. 
Um, but that way you can kind of rank, you know, someone depending on the different touch points or activities that they've done within your product. Uh, once it patches, passes a certain threshold, like I'm, I'm just going to assume that they want to hear from us because they're definitely seeing the value there. Um, so that, that would be one funnel. And the other one where it's still lower score, still early engagement, I'm going to be sending uh, marketing emails automatically. I'm going to have a chatbot for them to reach out, obviously, um, to raise their hand. And how does sale, how, how have you helped sales know what to do with, with those, with those scores, with those insights that you're sharing? So there are definitely tools out there, um, that can connect what a person's activity is into a Salesforce field. Uh, and then the salesperson is able to see exactly what the person did. There's also tools that can track, uh, that can actually go in and track exactly what the person is doing with like a screen share recording. So you have a very good idea of what they're doing. And just handing that to salesperson where it used to be, oh, hey, I see you read, you know, this piece of content. Can I tell you about our product? Now it's, oh, hey, I see you've seen the value of our product. I see you use it. And would you like, you know, to hear more about it? I think it's a much stronger pitch from a stronger place. Yeah. And it sounds like when you, when you set it up that way, you're helping sales figure out who, who they should reach out to versus reaching out to all of them. So I'm curious then in your experience, what, what has your, what has the feedback been from sales reps that have had to deal with, um, you know, converting product users versus converting marketing leads from a webinar? A lot of times, you know, our regular lead scoring is built off of three things, right? It's built off of of the person's company, the persona itself, and their behavior. And, you know, that's always trial and error with what's worth what. But with with PLG, with actually within that intent behavior bucket to say, okay, this person has actually used our product is a much stronger intent than anything else that we would be able to give them. So in general, they're they're pretty happy with it. That's great. Yeah. Being able to see that I've, you know, I mean, we have folks on the team that have experienced it on the sales side, having to try to sort through, you know, Google sheets, um, and, and a laundry list of product, um, engagement and with little success because it's, it's unruly. It's not in the system that they, they generally use and it, and it doesn't, you know, provide actionable, um, next steps that, that they can clearly understand. Um, and, and yeah, I think hit the nail on the head with like the, th the three components of, of any scoring model, right? I think the behavioral one is, is the most interesting in the shift with, with product-led growth, right? Like we can no longer just look at, you know, first party and third party, um, in terms of, you know, email marketing, campaign engagement, website traffic, um, you know, that sort of thing, but how do we blend that together with product usage data to um, be able to get a, a 360 view of, of the user. So maybe a shameless plug for Mad Kudu there, but, um, you know, we're very, very passionate about solving that problem. Um, in your experience on the other side, like you, you use, you know, again, smaller marketing ops team in, in the past, that's kind of been your experience. Um, you've got to be nimble and agile with your budget and find ways and, and kind of free tools and, and, you know, growth hack um, opportunities. So with that comes 
being someone who is potentially sold or tried to upsold a, a free product into a paying user. Um, what's your experience been? What do you see people do really well? What, what do you see, you know, those companies that are potentially doing wrong or, or any advice that you, you'd share with them? Sure. So I've seen it two ways with PLG where they obviously want you to upgrade, right? There's either a features limit or a time limit. Um, and, and in my experience, I, I think it's much stronger to give a uh, features limit. A time limit is problematic because let's say I signed up and then I got busy, you know, for, for a week or two and now, oh, my free trial is over. Um, mm -hmm. Well, now I can't go and, and continue to trial the product, which was your goal you know, from the beginning, um, a feature, a feature blocking, you know, obviously you have to do it right. You know, you have to give the enough features to make it worth their while to play with the freemium, but also enough you have to leave it to be desired in order for the person to upgrade. So I'm, I'm a much stronger believer in, in blocking features than limiting time. Yeah, I, I can see that. Like, especially to your point of like getting busy, I can't, count the number of times I've probably signed up for something free, both personally and um, work-wise that I was like, well, there's little, little risk in trying this if it's free indefinitely. Um, right. Also the, I mean, the marketing, uh, the automated marketing emails can be a lot more specific to the features that I know you want that I'm blocking you. Whereas if you're doing it by time, it's really just, Hey, exactly what you're doing. You could do next week too. Yeah. I think I see a lot of a lot of companies that do the time based, right? Like if if we you aren't engaging in the you know fourteen day, thirty day, whatever free trial, like that becomes the opportunity for someone to reach out and and offer an extension. So it it can be used maybe sneakily as a as a tactic for for sales to interject. You know, probably some pros and cons there. But um, okay, so it sounds like preference is is freemium offering versus give me your product for free for, you know, whatever period of time. Definitely, though, I would say just to your point about about the time is if if I see, you know, through my my analytics on Salesforce that in three months you haven't touched it, well, then maybe I'll send it to sales and say, hey, you haven't, you know, touched this in three months. Is this something that's still a priority? And so you can still get the, um, the sneaky salesperson, mm -hmm. you know, during that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of um, lot of room for creativity in marketing and marketing apps with with PLG, and and it's it's interesting to me because it starts to to build this kind of PLG center of excellence in businesses that have multiple go to market motions, right? Where you're asking now people in cross functional departments to kind of work together as kind of like a mini startup within a startup to to launch this product line. For, for lack of a better analogy, I guess, right? Like it might include, it's gonna include people from operations, from marketing and creative, from product, from growth. Um, and so each sales, right? Customer success. So, um, you know, I think that's that's an area that I'm, I'm very curious about is, is how are businesses that have a product led growth motion building out their PLG org um, within the business? So it really is a complete cross department, entire company, you know, operation, whether that's the Salesforce team, whether that's the marketing operations team, as well as the wider marketing team, you know, that's running the campaigns, mm -hmm. whether that's the product team who's in charge of the freemium, 
the R&D team if you need to start putting in things like Java snippets to kind of track things. Um, the um, regular operations and business operations team, sales ops, uh, the SDRs and AEs as well, the entire sales team. Uh, and then of course, to report to uh, the executives, you know, they want to know what's going on with, uh, with their freemium. Yeah, it's, it's very clear that it needs to be in order to be successful, a company-wide initiative, right? It can't be a side project or something that, you know, marketing sales or product is just quarterbacking for, you know, a quarter or two. It, it, it you know, I think I, see them, the companies that have the most success, turn it into a very big, big initiative for the business, if not the biggest initiative. Definitely. And I think product marketing is a huge component on that because they're really the, the you know, uh, way that marketing and product and everyone connects. Yeah. Is um, product marketing, is that role in a product-led growth company? Is that, does that look different? Is it more like a growth or a demand gen role in a PLG company or... What, what I think it's similar but outside here but yeah <laughs> no, that's okay I think it's uh it's similar it's definitely more focused on specifically the freemium um depending on the size of the product marketing team you know you may have one person that's dedicated just to that and maybe the the other people are you know uh general product marketing because you can't ignore the other sales funnel either right um, the one thing just from before that that really I don't like when companies do is if you want to do a free trial, whether that's 14 days or whether that's just some of the benefits or whatever, put in your credit card. Because what's gonna happen? What are they gaining? Basically, if you forget to turn it off, then they're gonna make money. But you're gonna not be a happy customer. You're gonna ask them to get rid of it if you didn't find value. If you found the value, you'll give your credit card later on anyway. So I really think you also are going to be throwing people off who haven't yet approved finance and whatever else, you know, sometimes there's big processes in these companies to, you know, enter your credit card anywhere. And so you're really blocking yourself from a lot of potential business. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you there, especially as someone who's a, 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 like I mentioned, I sign up for a lot of free things sometimes um, and I'll forget and I'll forget to cancel. Right. And I'll, I'll schedule, even if I schedule a, a, calendar reminder for myself to to cancel sometimes I miss those and yeah it is frustrating um you know on the personal side but then yeah to your point on the business side usually it's it's lower dollar values right if you're putting a, a credit card in but um gosh if you don't have approval for it and and depending on your role that could be a um a difficult conversation right great advice all right so you're based in Israel Yes. From Detroit, obviously. Go go Lions. I can't believe I'm saying that. Should have worn my Packers jacket today. I thought about it, but, you know, I don't know how the season's going to pan out, so I don't want to look back on this with regret. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we were chatting a bit about, like, marketing operations in Israel and it, and it kind of blossoming due to, or blossoming, rather, due to kind of a growing startup community. Um, tell me a bit about like your experience there and, you know, what you're doing to kind of build a community based on those features. Sure. So, um, Israel is a startup nation, right? There's new companies, you know, being created left and right. 
And as this global trend of realizing how important marketing operations actually is, oftentimes it's pretty early on in building the marketing department where they'll bring a marketing operations uh, team in, a uh, team person in. And um, which is a really good trend. It's really smart to be, you know, putting that in early on uh, because all of the data you can collect and, and, you know, start building the technologies mm-hmm. outright instead of having to buy something and then having someone else come in and change it. So Can't it's have really a football team without a center. There you go. And, um, mm-hmm. and basically, um, these companies, you know, are, are mm-hmm. searching desperately for marketing operations people because uh, they're so, uh, you know, n- there's not that many people that know HubSpot, that know Salesforce. Uh, and that know the processes of B2B companies. Um, and, and what happens a lot of times is you get your marketing operations person and then you start building out the rest of the team, right? You have product marketing and you have the content writers and you have demand gen and, and yeah. you know, and, and start building out those teams. And a lot of times, especially here in Israel with these companies is you have one marketing operations person in the company. Um, and, and once you have one marketing operations person in the company, besides it being lonely sometimes, because you don't have someone to bounce ideas off with, uh, a lot of times there are things that you don't even know that you could be doing differently, right? So you've set this up and everyone within the company thinks it's great, but had you, you know, researched or, or a lot of it's not accessible online, but had you talked to someone, you know, within the industry, about your processes, they may, they may have said, hey, I just did that same thing with that same tool. Here's how I did it differently. And based on, you know, um, we, we created a, a marketing operations community here in Israel. Uh, we're over 100 people, uh, all B2B, uh, mostly cyber because of what Israel uh, high tech is. Um, but this, this uh, community is active basically daily with people sending questions, whether that's platform questions like, hey, you know, what's better, HubSpot or Marketo? Or, hey, here's the workflow that I created. Um, you know, how can I do it better? Or which data enrichment tool have you used? And all these different things where finally people can bounce ideas off each other. Um, so that's one aspect of the group, which is a really good support forum. And also, you know, great way to network and meet other people uh, yeah it sounds then, like super niche too right like local like israel-based cyber generally so like industry specific probably most of them very small teams or a solo operations person um so it's you're you're bringing people together that truly have a similar situation definitely i mean i'm i'm lucky here at Panerais to have a team of two going on three marketing operations because really Panerais is, has put a strong emphasis on it. Uh, it really is uh, pretty critical for the company's processes. Uh, so I am very lucky and grateful there. Um, but the community is great, you know, to network, to learn, to meet people, and also to have events. You know, we had a virtual event uh, a couple months ago. We're planning on some more in-person events as well as more virtual events. So we're really excited. Awesome. So I imagine there's like new relationships being built through the community and things and, and um, 
you know, how, where do you see it going? Like, how are you going to, you know, expand this community? Um, you know, we hear about a lot of different communities like Slack communities, in-person meetups, that sort of thing. Is, is this going to grow bigger or is this just going to be kind of like a, a smaller, um, smaller, tight-knit, intimate group of, of folks right now? I think it's going to grow just because of naturally the position keep opening up because new companies are being created left and right. But I also think it's important to keep it pretty tight knit as much as possible mm -hmm. at that point. You know, th there's plenty of wider marketing uh, communities here, even in Israel. Mm -hmm. And th the fact that we're, you know, very niche makes it really comfortable to discuss things you know, with, with different people. And obviously a lot of times you don't want to get into the weeds because you may be talking to your competitor. Right. I was, yeah. I was going to ask about competition given. Yeah. So uh, within the group, you know, everyone's very nice. Everyone's very helpful to each other. No one's going to give bad advice to throw off a competitor. And at the end of the day, we all wear our shirts for our own company. So you don't give away any secrets or anything like that, but you do want, you know, your fellow operations people to, um, to be successful. Yeah, I mean, it, it only lifts up the industry, and and as we always say, it's a it's a small world in in B two B tech, especially. Um, how are you connecting folks? Like with you mentioned the the companies that are are looking for Mops talent in the area. Um, is, is the community a, a place where people come to to find those jobs or to to change companies? There's definitely uh, job specs sent throughout the group here and there. Um, there's definitely people who hire uh, that want their marketing operations person to join the group because they've heard about it. Um, so that's always exciting to get new members like that. And uh, yeah, it's it's only for everyone's benefit. Awesome. If we have have marketing ops folks in in outside of Israel that are in cyber cyber technologies. Is this something that we can suggest they they reach out to you to join, or um, are you keeping it Israel only? Ooh, Putting you on um, the spot here. On the spot, I think uh, you know we're always happy to get you know marketing operations professionals. There will be there will be things that they may not uh, be able to attend, you know, in person events in Israel, obviously, but uh, to join the WhatsApp group as a first stage, I think I would tend towards yes. All right. Yeah. Well, excited to see how it grows and and the connections that you're making and and the, the community you're building in, in Israel. That's very awesome, Daniel. Um, Thank you. Given you know you 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 work with and through the community a lot of folks that are a, a solo operations person or a team of one. Um, and in fact, if you are a team of one, I would recommend listening to one of our past episodes with um, Liz Medlicott, who was at Model N and and has a background of being a team of one for quite large companies and, and share some really amazing um, advice and, and tips and how she kind of built out a, a team of even agencies to support her. So I'm curious, you know, you have time being a, a team of one though, right now your team is growing, which is fantastic and congratulations there. Um, but working with and, and chatting with folks in your community that are solo practitioners um, what advice do you have for for those people that are, you know, maybe understaffed or under um, undervalued, unfortunately, or or are truly behind the scenes and are not even seen as the center of the football team yet? So I think 
I would give two main pieces of advice. And I was by myself in marketing operations for three, almost four years. Um, the first one is organization and prioritization. So, you know, you have so many tasks you can't do without putting it into ClickUp or Asana or wherever else. So wherever you do your task management, put everything that needs to go in there. Um, if other people have requests, take them through the task management platform, whether that's through a ticketing system, whether that's they just create tasks for you uh, mm -hmm. with clear due dates and, and a clear brief of what's needed. One, because that way you can actually plan your day out in a way where you know how long things take. And the other is you're really juggling so much and you deserve to see, you know, in one picture, everything that you've accomplished in the last day, week, month, quarter. And, you know, seeing everything in there like that can give, first of all, a good feeling for you, but also for management when they want to know, hey, what's marketing operations even doing? You can say, oh, well, this entire list. Um, I love that. So, so many people use task management, obviously, to like manage their time and things, but forget about the like taking a step back and looking at like everything you've accomplished and using that to articulate the value that you have in the business. Beautiful. Yeah, we do a uh, within our marketing operations team, we do a weekly summary call on Thursdays and uh, we kind of look at all the tasks that we were able to complete, you know, in the past week, um, you know, discuss what went well what we could have done differently or better, um, but really just get the good feeling of going through each and every one of those things that we were able to do. Yeah. Awesome. So that's one piece of advice. What's what's your second? The other one, I think I missed, I mixed both of them into it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. and, uh, and prioritization and, and just not, and just understanding, okay, here's the second one, understanding that not everything needs to drop because someone needs something urgently, right? Yes. You have so much interaction with sales, with product marketing, with the whole marketing team, actually, with finance, with product, with everyone else. And just because someone asked you for something on Slack doesn't mean you now have to drop everything, like the big projects or things like that. Because I remember many days where I had big projects that I thought I was going to get done. And then someone asked me for something and someone else asked me for something else. And there went the day basically. And so, you know, you have to make sure that while yes, focusing on these different tasks, uh, you do need to make sure that the main projects are getting done. Yeah. And it can be so hard to do, right? When it, the ask feels so quick, right? Like, oh, I know how to do that. I'll go in, I'll merge the account quick. Or yeah, let me just run that report. I just have to modify this one, change a filter and I'll send it to you but it, it's distracting and, you know, it, it breaks your flow state and um, yeah, back, back to your ticketing thing, getting people trained on, on how to insert asks that way can be helpful. I've also found like, I, I've thought a lot about what, you know, everyone refers to as like the disruption culture and Slack and, and notifications and being interrupted by those quick asks it's like detrimental to, to productivity for someone in a role like marketing apps where you have to have heads down time to work through difficult operational problems and technical setups and, you know, troubleshooting. And it can be very time consuming. And um, in my experience, like lonely at times, right? Especially if you're working from home. So, you know, if you can find your community and find your tribe and find people to talk to, whether that's inside your organization or outside, I think that would be 
um, if I may, another piece of advice I would add to our list today. Yep, definitely blocking off time in your calendar that like no one can touch. If it needs Favorite to be moved time. because something really urgent came up, that's okay, but you have to make sure that you have another spot to move it to during that day. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Well, Daniel, I so appreciate you joining today. Um, any final thoughts or, or words that you want to share with, with everyone listening today and, and in the future on, you know, either American football, product-led growth, or, um, you know, the rising um, community you're building in, in Israel? I think just, you know, make sure that, that you're on top of everything. Make sure that, that the cross-functionality uh, tasks that need to get done are all managed in a central place. Um, you know, a lot of times sales see one thing and marketing sees another thing. And if there is no collaboration in like one central place, it can be really problematic and detrimental to a lot of processes. So make sure the processes are strong, that it's all done in one central place. And yeah, and enjoy and be proud of what you do because it's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. And thanks everyone who's listening. Um, we'll see you all next week on another episode of Moss Confessions.